Let's go to the Lord again in prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. And I just ask that you will be with us today and help us get out of it what you put in it. And Lord, put it in our hearts. We may be able to understand it, not with just our minds, but with our hearts. And we may be able to apply it to our walk tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, until we come back. Lord, make it real to us and reveal it to us. We can understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Luke 22 and 31. A long time ago, I used to work at a golf course. And while I was there, one of the jobs I had to do every single day for like two years straight, except for Christmas and Thanksgiving, and maybe like one or two vacations, every morning I mowed greens. And when the greens you got to, that's where you do the putting. And I had to make the stripes in the green. And that was it was it turned out to be the worst job. Like it was it was so repetitious and it it was just I couldn't stand it anymore. But anyways, the one thing you did in order to make that first line straight is what you would do, a trick to it, is you would look across the green to a tree or anything that was across the green, and you would just drive your mower straight to whatever was over there. You didn't just hold the steering wheel straight because that, you know, you can be messed up there. But if you would just, like for example, look at that door back there, you just drive straight to that door. Well, yesterday I was going to field, I did the exact same thing. I wanted to mail a straight line across it and split it up into two pieces. And I focused on the tree that was in the distance. And I got pretty much there and I looked back and that line was straight. And I got to think about that same way with the Lord in our lives. If we will look to Him first, Everything else will fall into place. We look to Him. You've got to keep your eyes on Him. And the same way with that tree. As long as I kept my eye on that tree, my line was straight. But the second I would try my own self to keep the steering wheel straight, it would be a line, look like a Z pretty much. And uh, anyway, that's just a lesson. I love it when the Lord, I feel like, reveals through His creation His majesty and wisdom. I enjoy that. I like seeing stuff like that. So uh, anyway, let's jump in. Luke 22 and 31, and this is when Jesus is talking about, he tells Peter that the devil is going to sift you as wheat. And uh, I didn't know, I had never seen this verse put like this before, and I just want to ask the Lord to help me show you what I feel like maybe he's shown me this morning. So let's start out. We're going to read uh, these, um, these first two, and then we'll come back and break them down. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift, sift each of you like wheat. I never read it like that before. Now, there's a couple of different translations, but all of them are pretty, pretty close. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And the more I read that, it took on a different light than I had always expected it. Let's look over here. Can you get us the New King James? And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. I had never heard that part before. Satan asked for you. I, I never heard that. I've always heard the second part quoted, that he may sift you as wheat. But I didn't know that he had asked. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, so that means Peter's going to go away for a little while and come back. For when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I've never broken this verse down before, ever. And, uh, and I've always had an idea of what I thought it meant. 
what I thought it meant was was seeing and sift you as wheat. I was thinking of y'all know that it's called a scythe. It's a S C Y T H E. It's the thing that the Grim Reaper holds. So that thing, you know, cuts wheat and chops wheat down. And I always thought that's what it meant here was to sift you as wheat. That's what I always thought there. Nothing to do with it whatsoever. Nothing to do with that. It's, I completely got this verse wrong and, and I made a mistake. Let's look at it. Let's break it down. Simon, Simon. So when you see Simon, Simon, the Lord has used these before. Um, Abraham, Abraham, or, or uh, just, just saying Samuel, Samuel. I feel like when he says this, he's talking about urgency. Hey, listen to me. Listen, this is very important. Make sure you take heed to what I'm about to tell you. I feel like that's what he's talking about. He says, Simon, Simon. It's kind of like, pay attention. I need you to listen to this part because it's going to be very important. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. So over in the NLT, it's talking about the disciples. He wants to sift each of the disciples as wheat. So let's look at what the sifting means, and then we'll come back to the question that, that, that Satan is asking for. Him. He wants to sift you. So sift does not mean to cut the wheat down, like I've always thought. Sift means to thresh it. So what he's doing is, is separating the head of the, like the grain, the pieces of grain from the actual stalk of the wheat. So it's the separation. And when you look up the word sift, it means separate. So what you're doing is you're separating the, the good, the kernel, from the bad, which is the stalk, and uh, and you know that that's the that's what's happening here is separate. And I thought, man, that's pretty crazy. I've always thought it was talking about cutting him down and killing him, but what it's really talking about is sifting him. I feel like the devil wants to separate the disciples. He wants to pull Peter away from. Him. He wants to pull these disciples in different directions. Exactly what we've talked about this morning with unity, with everything that's been said, pretty much. That's exactly what we've been talking about all, all morning Sunday school. But the devil wanted to separate him, so he wants to separate you as wheat. Indeed, Satan has asked you. So let's go back to the question. Satan had to ask God for Peter. This is not my lesson, but I'm going to go here just for a little quick second here. If Peter, if God, Satan asked God for Peter, God is not going to say no. God is going to allow Peter to go through a trial or a tribulation or a testing of his own faith. God is not testing his faith, but it's going to be a trying of Peter's faith here. And I would, you always think that God is you know, only about the good stuff and only about happiness and wonderful and joy. But the only way I feel like what God was doing here was he was preparing Peter for ministry is what he was doing, what he's going to do here. Peter's going to become one of the main leaders of the church, if not the leader of the church besides Paul. And I feel like what God is doing is by allowing Satan to come in and separate him from the group for a little while, is God is going to use this as a learning point for Peter to grow from. So let's look in here. Satan has asked you that he may sift you as wheat, or he may separate you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. So it seems like, so if I'm getting this correctly, God is the one who actually makes the decision. Satan is asking God, I want Peter. I want the disciples. God is going to, like I said, he's going to allow Satan to separate them, but only for a time. But I have prayed for you, this is Jesus talking, that your faith should not fail. 
And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So we'll look down here, and Peter says, but he said to him, Peter saying to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I'll tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day. Jesus is talking about today before you will deny me three times that you know me. So Peter is saying, Lord, I'll never be separated from you. I'm never going to be pulled away from you. And he's saying, today you will deny me three times and the rooster is going to crow. So let's go on down. It's even in the same chapter. Let's go look at Luke 22 and chapter 54. Luke chapter 22 and 54. And let's see what happens here with this one. I'll read over there in the NLT. So they arrested him, being Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire. Let's see here. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man is one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. Well, and after a while, someone else looked at him and said, this is Peter. They looked at Peter and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is Galilean too. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Look at number 62. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. If you are a Christian, and if you've been a Christian for any time, any point of time, you know how verse 62 feels. There comes time in Christians' lives where we are separated or we feel like there's times when we've been where we have sinned against the Lord and we, the devil is always there. He's really good at the guilt aspect of it. He makes us feel so guilty. What are some things that you think were going through Peter's mind when he denied the Lord and he heard the rooster crow? I wrote some things down here and I felt an indescribable guilt must have been going through Peter's mind. Cowardness must have been going through Peter's mind. Disloyalty. Abandonment. Peter betrayed him. Peter had done all of these things to Jesus. So what is the devil going to do? The devil is going to act upon that. And he's going to try to bring an enormous amount of guilt onto Peter. The devil's very good at this. He's awesome at this. And what the devil tries to do is he tries to separate, he tries to sift you from God's relationship. He tries to, and he is awesome at it. I'm telling you, I've, I've never seen anything like it before in my entire life. He is our accuser, is what the Bible says. Just like Jonah running from the Lord, you know, just like um, Judas, how Judas ran from the Lord, the devil is so good at telling Christians that they're not loved, they're not forgiven, that they don't have grace or mercy or anything like that. And that is an absolute lie. It is a lie. If you will come back to Jesus, Jesus will always come back to you. 
The Bible says, Lord, shall we forgive our brother seven times? And he says, 70 times seven, you shall forgive them. I have put that verse to the test. I have tested that verse with the Lord, asking him for forgiveness thousands of times for things that have come into my life. And each time he's been there, not only to forgive me, but to teach me how not to make that same mistake again. It is vital as a Christian in today's world that you are not separated from him for a second. That you're not separated from him for a second. And the devil will try his hardest to tell you you're not good enough. You do not deserve his glory and his grace. That you are a piece of trash. He will. The reason I know that he'll do that is because I've been told that millions of times. Millions of times. Just Friday... When I was listening to William, I was listening to you talk about your day this past week. I'm going to do the same thing. Thursday night I taught about in Romans. I taught in Romans Thursday night. Friday morning, anger just bewailed me. And I mean, it was something that happened at work, and it just, I got so mad over a situation. And I was not living like a Christian. I didn't look like a Christian at that moment. My first thought in my heart was, man, you just taught Romans last night. How dare you act like this? That was my first thought was trying to separate, trying to pull me and the Lord apart from each other. And I went outside, and I had talked pretty ugly to my sister. I had gotten kind of smart aleck with her, and I walked outside for a second, and I looked at the car, and I came back in. And while I was out there looking at the car, I felt like the Lord just impressed upon my heart, are you going to listen to the flesh, or are you going to listen to the Holy Spirit? Are you going to do what you want to do, or are you going to do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do? And the Holy Spirit, I felt like at that time, was wanting me to go in there and apologize to my sister for the way I had spoken to her. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to continue the argument. I wanted to get even. I wanted to make her feel the way I felt. But the Holy Spirit, I feel like, was impressing upon my heart to apologize. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to skip it. Even now, I didn't want to do it. But I went in there and I apologized, and that whole argument went to nothing. It was over and done with and was gone. And I feel like you have to try to reconcile with the Lord. Try to reconcile. Get things right while it's still day. Get things right while you still have a chance with the Lord. Do not allow the devil to separate you. The other night, me and Kristen were in an argument. We were fussing about something so stupid. It is so stupid what we were fussing about. And at one point in the argument, I was on the road in my truck. And we were pretty heated with each other. And I called her and I was like, listen, this is getting kind of out of hand. Let's get things right. And it was hard for me to do that, Jason. It was hard. It hurt. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to listen to what I felt like was the Holy Spirit implying upon my heart. I didn't want to do that. Sometimes, as a Christian, it's hard if I go a couple of days and I've not been digging in my Bible. And maybe I've gotten a little bit away from the Lord. It's hard for me to go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. But it is vital as a Christian to stay connected to the Lord. It is so, 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 so vital. Let's look down. Let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's, um, so Peter denied the Lord and he left. The, the NLT says he left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I know exactly how Peter feels here. I have felt like that. A bunch of times over my walk with the Lord. I have felt like I let him down a million times. And just just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Uh, let's go look at the next time Jesus and Peter will meet. Let's look at John 21 and 1, please, Teresa. 
John 21 and 1. So Jesus, after this part, Jesus is led off. He's, he's going to be completely humiliated. He's going to be crucified on the cross. He's going to die. He's going to be put in the, uh, the borrowed tomb. He's going to stand there for three days. And uh, he's going to be dead for three days. And then he's going to rise on the third day. That's a pinnacle of Christianity. And this is, now Jesus has already risen at this point, but this is going to be the first time Peter sees Jesus. Think about it like this, guys. Have you ever, maybe a brother or a close friend, you've maybe hurt their feelings or something, or you've done something wrong to them? How's that in first few seconds when you first see them? Little, little uneasy, ain't they? I mean, just a little bit, little, little cringy, you know, just a little bit. And I feel like we take that same thought process and we put it with the Lord and we say, okay, well the Lord's going to be mad at me. He's going to have an attitude with me. He's not going to want to, you know, he's not going to want to forgive me right away. It's going to be awkward. That's another lie from the, the, the devil. Absolutely a lie. We see this multiple times when people ask the Lord for forgiveness. It is cast into <coughs> forgiveness, not be brought up again. That's not the case. That's not the way it is. So you cannot give God human personalities like that. Man will get mad and stay mad for years over something, whereas God, if it's under the blood, never reminds you of it again. So let's look at John 21 and 1. John 21 and 1. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Let's, let's look in the New King James. I want to read this in the New King James. Simon Peter. So Peter was there. He's there in the situation. Thomas called the twin. They're going through the... Uh, through the disciples. Nathaniel of Canaan of Ga or Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. He said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, loved, said to Peter, It's the Lord Peter. Could you imagine Imagine being Peter. Imagine seeing Jesus for the first time. The last time you saw Jesus, you were denying him. Now you are in his presence again. Oh, my gracious. I just I feel like this would be the last place anybody would want to be is in front of Jesus. Because with Jesus, you feel like you've abandoned him. You feel like you've, you've let him down. Now, when Peter... Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment, for he had removed it. And what did he do, guys? He jumped into the sea, plunged into the sea. What was Peter doing? He was headed back home with what he was doing. That's what he was doing. The devil almost succeeded in tearing Peter's faith down. He almost succeeded. Almost got it. Almost got it. But Peter's faith held strong. Why did Peter's faith hold strong? Because Jesus had prayed for him. Jesus, Peter was coming back. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what it is, 
bad, good, whether you get a lot of money, whether you're broke without a penny. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. When it comes to Jesus, always plunge into the sea. Go back to him. Cleave to him like Ruth and Naomi. Cleave. Grab a hold to him. Just hold him, hold him, hold him. Hudson, at nighttime, sometimes he'll, he'll wake up with a bad dream and he'll come in there and he'll run to Chris or me and he'll just, he'll hold us so tight and just honestly almost be shaken because he's had a bad dream and just, just holding us. So it won't leave and let us take his arms off of us to lay him down back in his bed. Just won't stop. And, and I feel like that same thing, exact same analogy goes to the Lord. Go to the Lord. Hold on to him. Just cling to him. Don't let him go. And, uh, and that's exactly what Peter was doing here, was his action was a type of forgiveness. He was saying, I'm, you know, that's what he was pretty much saying with these actions here. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The devil does not want you to jump into the sea. The devil wants you to stay on the boat. The devil wants you to row to the other side of the lake. The devil wants you to separate. The devil wants you to become... You know, sifted. Sifted, exactly, exactly. The devil wants to become sifted. But what did Peter do? He plunged into the sea. He jumped into the water. And did he, And what did he do? He headed to shore. I love that part. Because I've been there. I've, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to go to the Lord and you're sorry and you're a mess and you just bring to Him all these problems and this chaos. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. Help me. Help me. Help me. And it's, it's like you feel His arms just cover you and, just, you, know, and you just feel safe there for a second. I know what verse 7 feels like. I've been there. I've lived it. I've seen it. But the other disciples came in the little boat. For they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Why didn't the disciples jump into the water? Why didn't they? Because they didn't experience the forgiveness that, that Peter had just experienced. So Jesus, I feel like very, very seriously that Jesus was teaching Peter. He was showing Peter just how merciful and just how Graceness, gracefully God can be. How much grace he could possibly have. Travis, you make me think of Cody when he was little and he was, when he would sleep in the bed with us. He would have to have his foot on me to sleep. His foot would have to be touching my leg, you know. And, and it's like he would do it innocently. Yeah. Yeah. Foot, get off him, put that foot back on me. And he was safe, you know. Yeah. I never forgot that. I had, and that's how we should be with the Lord. Exactly. That, Lord, that, same, just, that just, same terminology. Everything's going to be all right if I have you in my yeah. heart. I don't have to answer all the questions as long as you're with me. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll figure out the problem. That's right. I remember in my dad being younger, and I knew that if I had a problem, I could go to my dad and I'd say, Dad, we got a problem. I got an issue with this right here. And I knew that no matter how mad he would be at me, I knew that we could figure out a way to fix the problem I was in. And that was a great childhood memory I had of my dad, that he would always help me or my brothers and sisters, no matter how bad it got, he would help us to get out of it. I wish that we would have that same thought process with the Lord. No matter how bad our situation looks or how bad it is, no matter how bad we have screwed it up by doing it our way first, if you will bring those pieces to God and say, Lord, I'm, I need you. I'm sorry. I've messed up. 
I mean, I'm telling you, it's crazy. I like the way when he came back, he called them children. Yeah. You know, hey, you're still my children. He didn't. He didn't fuss at them. He didn't degrade them. You see what I'm saying? And that's a lesson for the church. They talk about church unity. We should be just like Jesus is in this story. Jesus was not. He didn't. Well, let's look. We didn't got there yet. Let's keep looking. When they got there, we're looking at the NLT, they found breakfast waiting for them. That's, this is the exact opposite of what the devil tells you. Let me, let me tell you this, because this happens to me often. Steve said that him, him and Kenny, his cousin, are best friends. I don't know if y'all ever hear Steve talk about Kenny. I hear it all the time. Kenny this, Kenny that. And Kenny is a working Christian. He started his own church up in West Virginia, and he's doing phenomenal. And up there, so Steve and Kenny talk almost multiple times a day. Well, Steve hadn't heard from Kenny in like two or three days at this one point, and Steve thought Kenny was mad at him. So, <laughs> so Steve, thinking that Kenny's mad, he's mad because he thinks Kenny's mad. So Steve didn't call Kenny. So like a couple more days go along, and by this point, Steve's angry. He's like, he's mad about something, and I don't know why he's mad because I ain't got nothing to do him, and he's ill, and I ain't going to call him. And I ain't going to do nothing with it. Well, a few minutes later, Kenny calls. He's like, hey, buddy, love you. What you been up to? And Steve's like, I thought you'd been mad at me this whole time. I thought you'd been mad. And Steve said, I was so foolish. He was thinking about how foolish he was to think that Kenny was mad at him. It had nothing to do with that. But we have a way of making things much worse than they appear. And for example, right here with Jesus, in our minds, we think of when we betray Jesus that he's angry. And sometimes he rightfully may be. But we see here, when, it, when they got there to land, they found breakfast waiting on them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Just, He's happy to forgive us. I don't, I don't, I mean, guys, I'm going to just tell you. You cannot treat God with men personalities. You can't, you cannot, you can't do that. You'll fail every single time. This was, I'm telling you, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm telling you because I've been where Peter was at. This is not what Peter had in mind when he thought about the next time I see Jesus, mm -hmm. he's probably going to be angry at me, you know. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus says. He still hasn't brought up the elephant in the room. So Peter, I call him Peter, I, don't, I like calling him just Peter. So Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew who it was, the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. There we see again, Jason, that's what you were talking about this morning. That's what we were talking about this morning. Jesus served. He was a servant. He served them. Even though Jesus is unthinkable as far as how high, highly he is ranked, he still served them bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples. Now, this is the first time he has seen um, Peter since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes. Peter replied, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs, Jesus. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. 
a third time he asked him, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. We'll stop right there for a second. I want to show you this. I want to show you that how the devil meant to sit and the devil meant to separate and to break down and pull down. God is going to use that issue and that problem to build Peter. Peter was going to lead people to the Christ. He was going to he was going to be the pinnacle of the of the church. He was going to build the church. Jesus would later tell him that he's the rock on which the church is built on. But Peter first went through a very hard, significant trial of his faith. I would that we would be led by men who know God's mercy and God's grace. Who have experienced it, not just by reading it out of a book, but have lived it. I want to hear from a man who has been there. I heard my grandma say this and I've never forgot it. We were listening to a man sing a song. And by the way this man was singing this song, she told me, she said, that man has lived that. And when I began to just still to listen, you could hear him, his voice crackling as he, as he sang. You knew that he had experienced what he was singing. I know Steve has experienced grace and mercy, and it's good to be led by a man that has experienced that firsthand. I don't feel like it was a coincidence. You, you think about, we say all um, in Romans 8 and 28, what is it? Uh, all things that work together for them who love the Lord and are called by his good mercy or grace, something like that. Something like that. Something like that. You're in trouble. But reading, reading that verse, reading those scriptures, we think in the very beginning, let's go back to the very beginning. Satan asked God to sift Peter, and I feel like God allowed it. He allowed Peter to be separated. But Jesus said, I have prayed for you that when you come back, strengthen your brethren. Sometimes the issues we get ourselves into, or maybe even the Lord puts us into, are only made for our goodness, our good to learn. Yeah, I didn't realize realized. that was his prayer being answered there. Peter came out of this thing a whole lot stronger than when he entered it. Before, Peter had just been hearing that God forgives. Now, Peter could see that God forgives. He could feel God's forgiveness. Let's look at, look at Romans 8 and 38, please. Romans 8 and 38. I want to bring this to your attention. Romans 8 and 38. I want to read this for you. I am convinced that nothing ever can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you read it right there. I did not make that up. I didn't paraphrase it. I read it right out of the book. That does not stop Satan from trying. Even though we've read it firsthand, we've got a first account of what the Bible says about this. It will not stop the devil from trying to lie to you and tell you that God hates you and that God wants nothing to do with you. 
I'm a firm believer that if you've got breath in your lungs today, that you have a door for forgiveness and to become a citizen of heaven. I believe that more than anything in my whole life. Whether today you are here because of your a Christian, you've been a born Christian for 30 years, or maybe this is your first time ever even thinking about making the Lord your Savior, Lord and Savior. The answer to both of you is the same. Cling to Him. Don't be driven out from Him. Don't. Don't let the devil win. I have seen mighty, mighty Christians stop because they thought they were too bad. They thought that they just could not keep going. Well, the answer to that is you are too bad, but Jesus' mercy can cover it. Just come back to Him. My grandma said a long time ago, and I'm never going to see them. She said, what would have happened if Jonah would have ran to God instead of running away from God? We see things like that. I'm going to tell you in my own life, I have put God's forgiveness to the test. And it's right. It's real. He'll forgive you and he'll fill you with his love. And I ask today that you've never done that, the place you faith into the Lord, repent and believe that he died on the cross for the third day for your sins. And don't let anything, including yourself, separate you. In Jesus' name, love you guys.